0: Good morning. My name is Reverend Jennifer DeBesque Alviar. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister and proud member of East Shore Unitarian Church. This morning, it is a great honor for me to introduce our guest speaker, Mary DeYoung. Mary is a longtime urban naturalist, practitioner, and guide of place-based pilgrimages in the Pacific Northwest, as well as international pilgrimages to Iona, Scotland, specializing in Celtic spirituality. Mary guest lectures at universities on topics related to deep ecology, eco-theology, and place-based theories. She also leads workshops, most notably alongside internationally acclaimed poet David White, about how our faith and religious traditions must emerge in our age of climate catastrophe and emanate with a sense of solidarity as we move into the planetary era. Mary draws upon Thomas Berry's universe story to delve into why place matters, the sacramentality of creation, and how together this informs the development of our ecological self. She terms this work sacred eco awakening. Mary received her master's in theology and culture from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology with a focus on eco-theology and earned her religion and ecology certificate from Yale's Divinity School and School of Forestry overseen by Mary Evelyn Tucker, John Grimm, and Brian Swim. Anne received postgraduate certificates in eco-psychology and applied mythology through Pacifica Graduate uh, Institute. She completed her third year with John Philip Newell's School of Celtic Consciousness in early 2020. Mary is the mother of four amazing children whom she parents with her partner, Joel. They live on the traditional lands of the Duwamish people in the Columbia City neighborhood of South Seattle. I warmly welcome Mary, as well as all our visitors, friends and members of this congregation, for this special worship service.
1: Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, great and sacred mystery, my mountain, my forest, redeemer through the rhythms of earth, sea, and sky. Amen. Amen. Well, I often, when I'm out in the wild or even just exploring a dandelion in the cracks of my urban sidewalk, I, I find that I feel like I'm at a, a loss to say anything more than what is already being said through creation. And Eric, what you just created and provided, um, I almost feel like, well, we could just say amen <laughs> because we have seen all of the wisdom through the elements and that just feels um, it's just so right and so good and so true. But I do have some words to be prepared or that I've prepared that'll just need to come alongside all these gorgeous images that I hope are just really feeling alive in your imagination and in your body right now. Um, so in our time together, and I'm hoping that this is just between 18 and 20 minutes. So if you could hang with me for that long, I aim or my hope is to introduce you to some basic ideas around sacred rewilding and how this shift back into whole relationship or interrelationship with the wild world reconnects us to the sacramentality of living earth's systems. That seasons our sacred rhythms writ large across our bioregions, inviting us into a recovered sense of how our spiritual formation are tied, is tied to the earth's rhythms, which inform a deeper sense of our belonging. So in this time together, be on the lookout for mentions of this rewilding worldview, the story of how an urban wood has restored my sense of self, some of my favorite berries within the field of eco-spirituality, and how by restoring, okay, so hear that, restoring our lives, we restore a deep sense of belonging here to this wild and wonder-filled world. I want to begin with just a little bit of context of my own journey, my own kind of personal um, yeah, story of how I've kind of come to this place um, of intersection with ecology and spirituality. So I've been on a long journey led by the deep desire to integrate two primary stories that formed the foundational elements of my life. I grew up in a home with an evangelical Christian charismatic mother and with an atheist, amateur astronomer, mountaineering father. So together they found their mutual love in the mountains But parsed out the practice of this love through separation, having us switch off our connection to the holy through attending Pentecostal churches every other week with my mom, and then going hiking in the Northern Cascades with my dad on the off weeks. Very interesting rhythm, to say the least. And in these contexts, I got completely different understandings of myself and the natural world. One told me of my, unfortunately, this was the unfortunate story of one part, of my inherently sinful and degraded nature, while the other affirmed the dignity and diversity of the more-than-human world. One story honed in on the depravity, and then also of a transcendent God, while the other whispered to me of goodness, goodness. And a sacred wild world that was imminently filled with the divine. So this dichotomy was actually a shame-filled struggle for me for years. And it wasn't until I was introduced to the Celtic spirituality stream over 20 years ago that I felt like I found a path that would honor both the wisdom of my faith tradition, but with an inherent understanding of our place of belonging within a very good and in spirited creation. The great cultural historian and eco-theologian Thomas Berry, we've already heard from him once this morning, has said this, it's all a question of story. What are the stories we tell? How do they contribute or not to a flourishing future for all on our planet? So I had been told two stories growing up. And my work has been both personally and vocationally about reconciling the two and seeking after the deep wisdom that often lives in the wild edges of a dominant storyline. As an urban naturalist, I have worked for over a decade on restoring an urban forest, bringing it back into a state of flourishing or of ecological wholeness. So in conservation circles, this is called rewilding. This is the process of bringing a landscape back into its original story, a story of wholeness, interrelationship, and regenerativity. So since 2007, myself and a group of neighbors, which has grown now to community partners and organizations, we've dedicated ourselves to learning from a 43-acre wood on the east side of Seattle's Beacon Hill. The Duwamish call the hill the greenish-yellow spine, and then the this is pronounced Kwa-teach. So Kwa-teach has been my teacher for about 17 years now. Our collaborative efforts have been in many ways to return the land to its original name, to restore conditions for the colors of green and yellow, to return in the forms of native trees. This restoration of the woods has also called me to restore myself, asking ever-deepening questions about who I am, inquiries into my own indigeneity. What was my name before others colonized me? Who was I before I was settled? I have learned that reclamation of land requires the reclamation work around your own name and wild self. So my work through Waymarkers is to apply this idea of rewilding to our soulscapes, our inner landscapes that have often suffered from traditional stories of separation and colonization. So I see rewilding then as a process of deep remembering, remembering that we carry wildness within Remembering that we are related as kin to other plants and animals who inhabit the earth with us. Remembering that the earth is sacred and revelatory. Remembering that we are on a common journey upon our common home with the whole of creation. When we rewild our stories, when we rewild our names, our souls are brought back into wholeness and communion with the natural world. This is a profound worldview shift and it is the exact opposite of the white Western worldview. And it gets really exciting as we deepen into the invitation to see our kinship instead of participating in kingdoms. For at the core of this worldview is a liberation for all human and more than human life that occurs as a result of getting rid of the dysfunctional myth of the hierarchical illusion of separation, that we are separate from one another, from the earth, from our bioregional ecosystems. It is this illusion of separation, this dysfunctional myth that has allowed the colonizing hubris to take to desecrate and oppress. And my sense is that within this community, within your congregation, you have been about this work of remembering for a long time. And I love that. I'm so grateful. When we rewild ourselves, when we bring ourselves back into a full and functional interrelationship with planetary and ecological systems, we cross a threshold into a primeval reality. This is entering a, a liminal space, crossing that threshold into this new mm, ancient reality that we too are impacted and informed by seasonal shifts, by lunar pulls, by bioregional locatedness. And that we too are beings who adapt through resilience, relinquishment restoration and reconciliation. Each season, then, becomes a threshold or becomes an invitation into presencing ourselves to features of divine rhythm that are found within the calendar of the wild earth. These are the amazing and regenerative systems of the natural world Seasons which are simply and sophisticatedly repeating the cosmic patterns of the Paschal mystery and the universal Christ. Within our sacred stories is a profound reality that can be experienced when one finds their place of belonging here, on our sacred and animated Earth. So the Celtic spiritual worldview understood that creation – or the more than human world was not only the primary incarnation, but it was also the primary scripture that we could look to the natural world and read it like a text receiving from the wild ones, deep truths that would positively influence our lives and how we live upon this planet. Well, so that all can flourish. What wisdom do the seasons offer us? We're kind of in a liminal time right now as we're beginning to come through these last days of winter. We're not quite yet to spring. We're almost there. But this season of winter is a time that beckons us into the richness of biomimicry. What if we aligned our, our physical bodies and emotional energy with a dark dormancy of winter? There is a timeless truth that exists within deep darkness, hibernation, slowing down, and recuperation. I find it ironic that so many of our holiday traditions during the winter solstice time herald more light and more brightness, more activity, instead of slowing down to the pace of earth, of earth's rhythms. So you might want to reflect, you know, and already christmas the holidays the solstice the winter time feels long ago but this is also covid time so I, every day is kind of blur's day but kind of think back to maybe how would your activities and energy shift if you mimicked the walk of winter so there's deep wisdom to be had when we applied biomimicry to our lives based on the calendar of the earth as a way to reconnect us to the rhythm of the seasons. And so now here we are approaching spring already. So many of you are noticing this time of year um, with the, the budding and the blooms that are already coming forth from the earth. Indeed, the roots are awakening, stretching into shoots that we see yawning through the softly greening ground. Spring's thaw has revealed swollen soil, growing with new life and sprouting buds on trees and unfurling fronds. Life begins again. Birds eggs hatch, right? There's the mew of mammals, the world over crying for milk and stumbling towards a frolicking pace as they meet their new world with joy. May it be so this spring for our world. I find it interesting that some of the more modern celebrations that we now maintain, like March being Women's History Month, have within them deeper resonance to the very rhythms that Earth herself seemed to be proclaiming. Spring is a, sea- is a season where Gaia, the name given to Earth within a scientific theory that suggests that Earth herself is alive. She is actively coordinating the temperature of her atmosphere and the salinity of her oceans. This is a time where Gaia is resurrecting. The earth is a living cell. It is God's body in all of its forms, people, plants, animals, climate. This is the concept of the universal self. And we witness within this season, the perennial wisdom pattern of order, disorder, excuse me, disorder or reorder or life, death, resurrection or day, dark, dawn. It is out of this body, the maternal body of Gaia, or the very earth as the body of God, that we have been formed. We have evolved from earth and from the perspective of spiritual ecology are a form of earth's consciousness. So spring is a time to honor and celebrate our heritage, our ancestry as earth's children. It's spring's lengthening, these, these longer days, to which I want to focus our attention for a moment. This elongation is seen in increasing sunlight during our days. Again, we see this too in the expanding green shoots from the earth. There's this expansion, this lengthening as evergreen branches stretch forth with new lime green growth. It's one of my favorite colors of the year. And this is the season of Lent a historically solemn time within the Christian liturgical calendar, bookended by Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. But what I find remarkable is how the historical posture of the season seems to get the mood all wrong. The word Lent comes from an old English word that means to lengthen. It refers to the lengthening of the hours of daylight during the season of the year and the lengthening of spring's new growth. This is the time of lengthening. Spring invites us into this lengthening time, this Lenten time, a reawakening time where we, like the sun, are arising from a dark sleep, rising on the horizon line. We are both sun and earth. We are both the rays shooting from the sun's orb and the landscape upon which the warmth lands. Our soul life cannot be separated from the way we live. Father Richard Rohr has said our spiritual world cannot be activated without experience of the outer world of wonder for the mind, beauty for the imagination, and intimacy for the emotions. So just as there is balance in dark and light at the spring equinox, there is balance in our outer and inner lives. When we begin to reacquaint ourselves to the signs of the seasons and apply them to our own spiritual formation, we find a deep wisdom that resonates and regenerates. Our bodies, which are made from the same holy stuff as the sacred and wild earth, relishes in the same seasonal rhythms as Gaia. When we deny this primal reality, when we separate our wild waves, wild ways from ourselves, we become an impoverished and forgetful people capable of destruction of a planet from which we would have exiled ourselves. David Abram, eco-philosopher, extraordinary writer, tells us that we are situated in the land in much the same way that characters are situated in a story along with the other animals, plants, stones, trees, and the clouds. We ourselves are characters within a huge story that is visibly unfolding all around us participants within the vast imagination or dreaming of the world. Within the wild world exists something of God that we are missing entirely if we focus simply on our human lives. German theologian and mystic Meister Eckhart said something of the same. If humankind could have known God without the world, God would never have created the world. Creation then is more than just a scenic backdrop so humans can take over the stage. Creation is, in fact, a full participant in our human and soul transformation, since the outer world is absolutely needed to mirror our true inner world. There are not just two sacraments or even seven. The whole world is a sacrament. I'm inspired by prophetic healers, voices calling us to our collective numinous relationship with nature. The land models mutuality and sustainability. But to come to know these values, one must be in renewed communication with the seasons, with other species, as an occurrence inherent to being with and in the wild world. Poet, farmer, farmer. Farmer philosopher Wendell Berry has said, there are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. This is what rewilding is about. It is about recovering a worldview that sees all of this earth as sacred and instills in us a commitment to being about the solidarity work of those places and people that have been desecrated. When we recover this sacralized worldview, we recover the reality that this earthen planet is holy. That her systems and seasons are sacred. And that we are not separate from these seasons or separate from these systems. They resonate within the earth as much as in our very own souls. And these systems are also what speak to us through stories through deep myths, stories that give us insight into our need to reconcile our reconnection, to recover our truest and wildest names, and that in many ways our belonging will be found when we are able to leave our pelt hanging on the back of the door. The greatest sign of hospitality we can offer to ourselves the sacred and the more than human world. So I conclude I these reflections with this blessing from Wendell Berry. Blessed is the life that lives at a pace that is in sync with the land on which it is lived. Amen.